welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm excited to get into the Word today, uh, excited about uh, what God's doing. If you're uh, new with us, we are in the middle of a series uh, called A Greater Story. In fact, we're not in the middle of it. We're, we're getting ready to, to wrap this series up. But one of the points about is showing us how the Bible ultimately uh, points to Christ, right? And that we've been walking through stories in the Old Testament um, that are pointing to a Savior that is to come. And so if, you, if I could illustrate, we've been building up and now we have reached the pinnacle of the story. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today and next week, um, everything in the Christian faith hinges on what Jesus Christ did on the cross and what he did when he came out of that tomb. Uh, it, you really see in that the difference that separates the Christian faith uh, from every other religion in the world. And so I'm excited. And uh, again, we're going to share uh, starting in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. This is what God's word says. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And this is Christ Jesus' mindset. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Made everybody taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. Now, verse 8, everybody lean in. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, as we've read your word, Lord, as we study uh, what, what that looks like, what you did, how you humbled yourself on the cross, uh, God, I just pray that you would help me right now in the preaching of your word. Um, God, I pray that you would come and, and uh, Lord, just share what you once said to your people. And uh, God, I just pray right now that you would help me with that. Uh, I pray with all, uh, with, for everyone's hearts, that our hearts and minds would be open to hear your word. God, I know we've come in from a lot of different circumstances, but God, I pray today uh, that you would speak to us, God. And God, as we sing, thank you for how you love us. And God, we pray that you would, um, you would just uh, share with us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, we're really going to camp out in Mark chapter 15, but I wanted to note something there, uh, is that, that Jesus was in the, is when you're the appearance of a man, but it says he was in the very nature God. Right, so what that means is when you're God, uh, you have more power, more money, more influence, more status than any human person on the planet. You think about any pop star, you think about Scotty Scheffler today who's probably going to win the Masters, all right? Uh, Jesus had more, more than any man, right? And what Jesus chose to do with his money, power, influence, and being in the very nature God, it says he chose to take the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so what I want to say today is that Jesus humbled himself, and listen to this, and finished the task, okay, of dying on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. Hear that again. Jesus, in his humility, went to the cross and died and finished that task so that we could have a relationship with God. It's an incredible picture uh, of humility, right? Who is the opposite of humility is pride. If you've ever been around someone 
who is just incredibly prideful, right? If you may be thinking about a coworker right now, some of you may be thinking about a boss right now, right? Um, but I think we would all agree that we don't like prideful people, but unfortunately, we all struggle with that problem, pride. Is that right? Uh, you, you really see that pride is the original sin in the Bible, that, that Eve and Adam wanted to do life their way instead of God's way. And so what we see is pride in the way of the world being one of pride and self and the way of Jesus and the cross being one of humility. And they're really, really opposite. You know, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, a great man is always willing to be little. And uh, we see that in the life of Jesus, that he humbled himself. But I wanna tell a story today uh, about remembering uh, pride and its effect on me. So there was this guy we met in college, um, and, and this guy, man, he, he walked on, biggest fan of himself. I mean, dude loved himself. He was great. Uh, he worshiped the ground he walked on. Uh, he, he always tried to date girls, and he was kind of a good-looking guy, but it always lasted a couple months because he only had one topic, right? Uh, and it was him. And this guy just happened to be an athlete, and I just happened to be an athlete, and we were at Georgia Southern. And so when we played this guy, this is the dude you wanted to beat, man. Um, and, and, and softball, yeah, I was kind of a loser, played softball. Anyway, but listen, um, when we would go to the softball tournaments, he was the guy that brought a boombox and played his own walkout music to go hit. I kid you not. He, he was that guy. And then in the inning, when they get the winning, he'd crank up the boombox, he'd taunt you, that guy. Um, and so anyway, we wound up catching this joker and their team uh, in a big tournament, man, big prize down in Brunswick. And, and we were pretty good too. And, and anyway, we got in that tournament and we only got five home runs to hit. And in softball, however many home runs you got to hit, usually uh, talks about how many runs you're gonna score. Listen, we put up 41 runs. We beat that team into the dirt. I'm thinning and I smoked him. And he hit that boom box slap off, right? And so uh, we, we get to the fourth inning and I mean, we're just beating them down in one of the greatest moments of my sport his, sports history. My boy walked out of center field. He grabbed his boom boxes and he went to the house before the game was even over. Uh, if I could have took a picture, I'd have hung it up. It was, it was magnificent. But in his pride, it had hurt him so badly, he could not even finish the game. But see, what we see in Jesus is the opposite of pride. Of Jesus in his humility, he stayed on the cross to finish the task, right? In his humility, he stayed on the cross and finished the task. And that is a really, really big deal. And as we think about the way Jesus did it and the way of the cross being one of humility, what I began to see as I read the cross this year and it just hit me in a fresh way of, listen to me, the way of the cross is the way to a better future. Hear that again. The way of the cross is the means to a better future, right? And I'm gonna really play that out. And I think what centers us in on the room, all of us children, better future. We all want a better marriage. We all want a better future for our children. We want a better environment for our workplace. We want a better place to live 10 years from now. All of us want a better future. And what I want to encourage you with, church, following the way of Christ and the way of the cross is the means to that better future. And we're gonna see this in uh, the, the passage today, okay? So turn with me to Mark chapter 15 as we get into the actual stuff, right? And what I mean by that is Jesus Christ actually going to the cross. So last week we talked about his prayer in the garden and now it is game time. It is time to go and do the very thing that would accomplish our salvation. So starting in verse one, Mark chapter 15, starting in verse one. 
It says very early in the morning, the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So these are the religious people, uh, the chief priests, and they had planned to kill Jesus. So they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. The chief priest, are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how, see how uh, many things they're accusing you of? And it says, but Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. So let me share what's going on here. So the chief priests, um, the Jews, they wanna have Jesus killed. But the only problem is they've gotta have someone in Roman leadership to approve of it, right? So they can't just haul off and do it. So they take Jesus to Pilate. Pilate's begin to figure out like Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. And in fact, Jesus may really be the real deal. And so these guys are accusing Jesus. They're talking about, they're calling him a blasphemer. And Jesus doesn't even fight back. He's like, man, I have never seen this before. And so we got to know the rest of the story. Verse six, now it's the custom at the festival to release a prisoner from whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate, the Jew, what he usually did. So what would happen every year at this festival? One prisoner, the Jewish people could say, hey, we want this guy released. And the Roman government would let that person go. So Pilate's thinking, man, like surely they're gonna want Jesus to go. I can't even figure out anything he's done wrong. And Barabbas, like he's an actual murderer. And so he's like, man, surely you want me to release the king of the Jews. Now, verse nine, it says, do you want me to release the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of their what? Self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, louder, crucify him. Now, verse 15, this is important. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. So again, we're gonna be looking at the humility of Jesus, the way of the king, silent. And the first thing I want you to see in here is this. Jesus had the humility to remain silent. Jesus had the humility to remain silent. Have you ever been backed into a corner and you feel like you're getting wrongfully accused, you're getting attacked, and there's no one on your side? Because I'm telling you, we come out fighting, don't we? Isn't that right? If you ain't tracking, man, I used to work in the school system and did discipline. You want to see a parent get hot? You, you accuse their kid of doing something they didn't do, but, but you better buckle up, right? Um, I'll never forget it. There was a cheerleader. We had to uh, dismiss her from the team because she got in a fight, and the, the rules said, you know, you, you had to be off the cheerleading team. Well, um, we, we come into this meeting, and I can't remember if she did it or not. Track record says she probably did. But anyhow, uh, the dad comes in, and the whole meeting, it's like he can't even hear what I'm saying. I mean, he's just looking, and he's staring, and I, he, he's staring like a, like a, I mean, he's got a stare down on me like he's about to take me out the minute this meeting's over. You guys tracking? So when we're wrongfully accused, man, our, our reaction is to fight back. When we've been wrong, man, they hit you, you hit them. To remain, they yell at you, you yell at them. It's a fight back thing. But listen, Jesus had the humility to remain silent. Well, how and why could he do that? Well, one thing is this. He was fulfilling prophecy. He was obeying God instead of getting in his emotions and fighting back. Uh, Isaiah 53, 7. Let's talk about a 400, 500-year-old prophecy about Jesus. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, 
yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is what? Silent. So he did not open his mouth. Listen, if, I don't know where you stand with Jesus, but that's a 400-year-old prophecy calling the shot, and now it's happening, right? And so he remained silent. But listen, this is what I believe we can see and how it applies right here. Jesus had the humility to let God fight his battles. How could Jesus remain silent? He had the humility to let God fight his battles. And if you've been tracking in a greater story, God is really, really good at winning battles, right? And so if you've been fighting on your own, listen, Jesus is teaching us something here. When you feel oppressed, when you when you go through difficulty, listen, you have a God in heaven who is available to fight for you. Man, that's just true, man. And Jesus is teaching us that, man, they may be getting me now, but I know a God who has the final say. And the victory's coming, and I'm gonna trust him in the midst of the battle. And listen, this is something we can learn from here. You will not overcome this world by fighting. You will overcome this world by surrendering and trusting God. You won't overcome this world by fighting. It'll be by surrender and trusting God. And so Jesus had the humility to remain silent. We also see that Jesus had the humility to please God the Father alone. Jesus had the humility to please God the Father. You're like, okay, well, what are you talking about? So as Jesus is silent, I wanna give everybody something. The world would be a better place if there was more silence. You guys tracking? I get on Facebook today, you know what I mean? Uh, before half this beef starts. Anyhow, um, but I want to show you who all's doing the talking. So the chief priests are the ones doing the accusing and the blaspheming. Out of there, are they doing this? Look with me in verse 10. It says, um, knowing it was out of their self-interest that the chief priests handed Jesus over to them. See, the, the chief priests were living in the way of the world. See, what Jesus was doing is they were elevated and their status and their worship and their comfort, their praise um, was now in compromise. That Jesus was stealing some of their influence. Jesus was stealing some of their praise. Jesus was getting into their territory. And man, in their pride, they couldn't stand it. This is the way of the world. Jesus is offensive to the world. Hear that again. Jesus is offensive to the world because it's like, man, I want my life to be like me. And this is what was happening with the Pharisees. And so we see again that pride is the way of the world. And let me tell you what the way of the world leads to. Proverbs 16, 18. Read this with me. This is some good wisdom. It says, pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, and like world and pride will lead to destruction. You ever notice that? When you start getting the big head and like, man, something comes and humbles you, a lot of times that's God's grace to teach us, right? That we need him. Uh, and listen, here's the deal. Even if the destruction doesn't come in this life, man, it will come in the next one. And so God is teaching us that pride is the way of the world and it does not lead to a better future. In fact, I would say this, the way of the world and the way of the cross are definitely in opposition, we see it happening here. And you say, well, Buck, what is the way of the cross? The, the way of the world first says, how can I make it more about me? How can I be more about more my comfort, my stuff? The way of the cross says, how can I make it more about God and more about the good of others? That's it. How can I make it more about God and more the good of others? And we see Jesus living one out and the chief priests living the other out. Now, the sad thing is, these were the church people in this day. These guys should have been looking for Jesus, right? But instead, they were looking just like the world. 
right? And that's the sad part, that they had adopted the way of the world. They need to be a people looking for Jesus, right? They didn't even recognize him when he came. So, so listen, I want, I want you to hear this, okay? A better future is not found in the way of the world. It's found in the way of the cross. A better future is found by following the ways of the cross. Jesus was living to please God. The Pharisees were living to please self. We see a, a different story here. Now, Pilate, Pilate's an innocent guy. Pilate was like, he didn't want to get his hands dirty. You know what I mean? Like, he, he began to realize that, that Jesus may be legit. He's definitely a good guy. I, I haven't seen him do anything wrong. But here's the deal. Unfortunately, Pilate was living to please people more than God. What do, what do we see? I want you to look in verse 15 as, as he's telling them like, man, I'm trying, Jesus, man. I, even God showed up to his wife in a dream and was saying, there's something about that, Jesus. And it says in verse 15, what was he wanting? Wanting to satisfy the crowd, right? He handed Jesus over. Pilate's outright rejection, and that's why fear of man is so sneaky, right? And that Pilate just didn't have the humility to do the right thing, even though it was going to cost him something. You guys tracking? That he didn't have the humility to do the right thing. And we see that Jesus was about to be stripped naked and getting on a cross, getting on a cross, that he had the humility to do the right thing, even though no one understood, right? And we see in the same way that Pilate missed it. So humility is about doing the right thing, even when it's going to cost you something. Wouldn't the world be a better place, right? It's about doing the right thing, even though it costs you something. And if we'll, pray the, if we'll pay the price to humble ourselves, I wanna give you a picture of the way of the cross. Uh, Proverbs 22.4, this is out of wisdom literature. This is good for life. Humility is the fear of the Lord. That means that we revere him and not that we're afraid of him, but once we know Jesus, we draw close in relationship because we see him for who he is. And if we'll do that, it says the wages are riches, honor, and life. Man, that is life-giving. Not only will we get life for the present, but life for all eternity, right? And that the way of the cross leads to a better future. So I want to bring it in and ask you a couple questions. Number one, have you been fighting your battles on your own? Do you constantly feel backed in a corner? The world is against me. Everyone's out to get me. And you constantly feel like your life has just been a fight after fight after fight. You fought for everything you have and you're worn out. I just wanna give you some advice. Start letting God fight your battles. He's a lot better at winning them than we are. It just is. Uh, maybe some that maybe your life has been characterized by trying to make life more about you. How can I get more for myself? How can I get more comfortable? How can I get everything I want, whatever that may be? Have you ever noticed how that's a well you never get to the bottom of? And it actually takes you in the misery? Listen, I want you to know something, okay? Uh, and take this with you. Um, this is a never-ending cycle that, that ends in misery. It just does. And then lastly, are you wearing yourself out trying to please people? I mean, constantly that, that your joy is found in how happy people are around you. And this one speaks to my heart. It will kill you. Listen, I take this with you. And not that we aren't called to love people, we are, but we were designed to give God glory first. He'll show us how to love and serve people. We give God glory first, we humble ourselves for him and he'll show us how to love and love people well. So as we meditate on that, let's continue in this story, this picture of Jesus. I want to pick up in verse 21, if you'll turn with me to verse 21. 
So, so now he's been handed over to be flogged and now it, the crucifixion is happening. Verse 21, and you'll see above that, that he's been mocked, he's been ridiculed. And now verse 21, it says, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon. Interesting to note, this is, Cyrene is in Northern Africa. This is most likely a Gentile. It says, the father of Alexander and Rufus was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was about, it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. And written, no, the written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. It says they crucified two rebels with him, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus had the humility to endure the cross. Jesus had the humility to endure the cross. So to, to really understand that, we have to understand the crucifixion. And maybe, man, you've been to church since you were like, like 18 months old and maybe you've heard this a million times, but one of the things we've been praying for that it would be fresh today, the reality of what happened when Jesus went to the cross. So the word um, in Latin is crucifixos and it means fixed to a cross. This was the most brutal form of torture you could get. And man, the Roman Empire, they had figured it out. I mean, this was rough. And so if I could describe it, um, when they were mocking him, they put a crown of thorns on his head. And I mean, they buried it into him. That blood ran down and they were making fun of him. I mean, they were mocking him like the king of the Jews, this, that. And then uh, as they were mocking, slapping, beating him, they, they, they strung him up and they took a cat of nine tails and they began to whip him. And at the end of this this whip are literally objects that are catching flesh, taking flesh. I mean, it is a rough, rough, rough situation. And then uh, he, he has to take his cross and take it up this hill. And, and when the body starts giving out, they ask Simon to come and to, to take this cross to follow in the way of, that Christ is going, to pick it up and to carry it up the hill. Another thing to note, this was about six hours of suffering. This didn't happen in 20 minutes. Six hours that Jesus did this. And so that's pretty bad. Would we all agree with that? But one way we miss it on the cross is that we really glorify just the physical suffering. Now, I, I, nobody throw a rock at me, but before I got saved and became a Christian, I remember thinking like tons of people got crucified. Like this wasn't just a Jesus thing. There were two guys getting it right beside them. There were hundreds getting it before them, hundreds after. And I remember thinking like, why is Jesus is such a big deal? And what I began to realize as God opened my eyes, it's not what they were doing to him, it was who it was being done to. So Jesus, it says that all things are from him, through him, and for him. It says in the beginning, he was God. Right, And the word became flesh that Jesus Christ always has been. And so what that means is this, is that the person who created the wood that he hung on decided and humbled himself to get up on it. The, the God who was giving them breath as they pierced his skin was allowing them to do it. This is the humility of our Savior that those that would mock him, he would say, Father, forgive them. They really don't know who I am. That's the humility of Jesus. It's not the what, but the who. And how could Jesus take such mockery? What can we learn from Jesus' humility? Listen, Jesus knew 
that he was defeating the real enemy. How could he take this from mankind? Jesus knew that he was defeating the real enemy, that his battle wasn't against the flesh and blood, but it was against the things behind the people. I want you to read. This is really, really good. Ephesians 6, 12. This is what God's word says. Um, it says that our battles, we fight, they're not against flesh and blood. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? The rulers, uh, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How could Jesus look on people with love because he saw behind the people and why he got up on that cross was to defeat sin, was to defeat death, and to defeat our enemy. He saw behind what he was doing. And listen, here's the deal. Uh, if you want to know the way of the cross, the way of the cross is our enemies are not against the people, but it's against the enemy behind the people. Right? And we can begin to see and pray and live and know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And because Jesus loved us and he loved the people crucifying him so much, he would endure that cross. He would get up and hang on it, die on it, six hours. And so maybe hear that weight. And if our God would do that, spiritually, physically, he would humble himself and do that, you may be asking, well, what do I do to that? What do I do with that response? How do I respond to such a message? How do I respond to such an act of mercy? Take this with you, it's really simple. You place your faith in what Jesus has done and become his disciple. <laughs> this is a call to discipleship. And what a disciple is, it's a learner. It's a follower of Jesus. It's now saying, man, I was in the way of the world. Now I want to live in the way of the cross, right? It's a, it's a great change. And, and the, probably the, the, the most beautiful picture of this is Simon of, Sir, of, of Cyrene, a guy who may have just come to be an onlooker, but he was called by name to carry the cross, you ever felt that way? Those that know Christ, that you're like, how in the world did I get called into this, right? But man, Jesus called me by name and now I carry the cross. Listen to what Luke says, Luke 14, 27. I'll be honest with you. I think back about 15 years of my life, I don't know how the heck I got here, right? He saved me from a lot. You guys tracking with me? So Luke 14, 27, it says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, that's humility. And you say, well, what is the way of the cross? Listen, it's the humility to say, it's not about me. I now live for the glory of God and for the good of others. That is the driving force of my life, that I live for the glory of God and for the good of others because I see what God did so that I may be saved. And if that sounds a little bit offensive or like, all right, but you're getting up in my personal space now, we were all good till now, right? I wanna, I wanna share a little bit of my testimony of when I was 20 years old, um, and I, I was living a good life. Like my parents were paying for college. Mom, dad, if y'all listen, appreciate you. Um, didn't have that stress. I had friends. I mean, life, I was successful. In high, like life was good. In the way of the world, I had everything that a 20-year-old could want. I mean, life was going in a direction that was good. And you know what happened? I woke up and my soul was empty. <laughs> I was miserable. Like, I didn't know why. I was like, man, God, do I live to have a couple good laughs, to, to, to have a few good meals, to go to a couple of good parties, and then I die? Is that it? Like, what is life about? And listen, I saw someone who was living the way of the cross, and he shared the gospel with me. And I want to quote one of my favorite songs, Touch the Sky by Hillsong. And this is what she says. She says, I found my life when I laid mine down. And that's my story. It's not been perfect. 
In fact, I'm still a flawed, messed up dude, but I want to let you know, our life is found when we follow the way of the cross. We find purpose, we find direction, we find identity, and we know who we are, whose we are, and where we're going. And brother and sister, there's nothing you can trade for that news. Are you with me? Nothing this world has to offer. So I want you to know, maybe today, if you've been following for a while, maybe you're new to it, maybe you've followed away, listen to me. Never underestimate what God could do with just one surrendered life. Because when one person says yes, and they say yes to the way of the cross, you're gonna see God get more glory, and you're gonna see a better world and a better future. The way of the cross just works, right? We wanna see revival. We wanna see the future we want. It happens through the way of the cross. It's what Jesus is teaching us here. So I want, to, I want to bring this in. I want you to take a minute and really maybe you've heard, man, I've listened to the cross. I've been to Easter service like since I was in those little smocks that my mom put on I didn't like. Maybe you've been going that long. If you got smock, man, I, if you put your kid in smocks, I love you, not judge him, all right? God, that just hit me. Next week's Easter, not gonna judge you then. But listen, We good? We cool? Yeah? I want you to take a minute to examine the humility of Christ's death on the cross. Maybe to really hear it, to think about it, and like, this isn't a fairy tale. He did that. And then secondly, I want you to say a prayer to yourself. God, help me to live a life worthy of what you did for me on the cross. Meditate and pray on that. In verse 33, remember we said that Jesus finished the task, right? Verse 33, so he hung up there, he was mocked again. I mean, it's, it's a long drawn out process. Verse 33, it says, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So the last little bit, this is the worst part. In literal darkness, God, God, God had darkness come over the land, Okay? And Jesus is up there on the cross. And remember, we always glorify the, the physical and we don't embrace the spiritual of what's really happening. Jesus says at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice. Um, that's in the original language. And, and it, what it means is, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what's going on right there, okay, is spiritually Jesus, for the first time, is crying out to God, and God is not there. I want you to think about it like this. This is when Jesus is becoming sin for us. Because we serve a holy God that we can trust, who's a just judge, who's good and right and all he does, he can't look on sin, he can't allow sin. And what Jesus was doing was becoming sin for us. That's the worst things you've done. That's the worst things you've seen done. That's the worst things you've watched on the news. That's the worst sins of human history. Jesus was taking the punishment and the wrath of all of it. And God put darkness over the land. And I can't imagine what the father felt like. But I want to take it a step further. Could you imagine what Jesus felt like? If you read the gospels, every morning he was up praying to God. You know why? He needed God. He needed his father. I think about it, but Bella, my, my daughter's seven. Um, we, we gave her two years in kindergarten. She needed about two years. But listen, um, she's a baby. Not because she's, anyway, she's a baby. But that first year, she was so afraid. She, she clung to me. She's like, Dad, I don't, I don't want to leave you. For seven hours, she didn't want to leave. Could you imagine Jesus having to leave his father? 
And it says in the Bible that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day to the Lord. Could you imagine the turmoil of being eternally separated from your father? Eternally gone. And that's what Jesus felt because listen, all that don't know him, that's what happens. And he felt it. And he was crying out like, God, God. And that's just because it was that hard. But listen, by gosh, Jesus had the humility to finish well. He even did this part too. It would have been easy to get off the cross, right? It would have been easy to get off the cross, but Jesus had the humility to finish well. Listen, we live in a world where everybody's thinking about starting something and nobody wants to finish anything, right? Everybody wants to get started, but no one has the discipline to finish what they set out to do. By golly, Jesus Christ finished what he started so that you and I could be saved and restored to the glory of God, right? That's what he did on the cross. And that's what the power of the gospel is, man. That he stayed on the cross, he took the sin of the world so that you and I could be saved. And he said it so beautifully in John 19, 30. He said in simple words, it is finished. For the sins of the world, the availability of the Father had been made right for everyone. You know, I was thinking about it and this word finishing well, man, God has had this on my heart for two weeks. I preached in Vidalia a few weeks ago and my, my old youth pastor is now retired. Man, I get up there to preach and that rascal's back there playing in the band, which is pretty cool, right? And we had a great conversation and he said, look, I've been following Jesus for a while, but he said, I want to finish well. Another man, after the sermon, he came down front to pray and he said, Buck, I'm going through the worst time in my life. I, I love Jesus, but man, my, my family's going through it. It's through turmoil. But man, I feel God restoring me. I want to finish well. And so today, wherever you find yourself, no matter how life started, if it started with Christ, no matter how it started, no matter where you find yourself in the middle of it, because Jesus finished well, you can finish well. Because see, to really understand the cross and asking ourselves, what does the cross mean to us? We have to really embrace that it's our sin that put him on the cross. You may wanna demonize the chief priest. Man, I can't believe that. Pilate, what a coward. You know, Barabbas, a murderer. Listen, our sin, all of us in here, we've, we've been those things, right? We, we've been prideful and we've rejected God. We wanted to do life our way. Man, and, some of, and I'm gonna embrace this. Uh, we've been afraid of what others might think and we've pleased people instead of God. You may say, well, darn, I've never murdered anyone. Listen, if you've had hate in your heart, Jesus says that we've murdered already. And so it's our sin that put him on the cross and we begin to see that it's that that he did for us. But what I want you to know, because of Jesus staying on that cross, he takes our sin away, all that repent of it and say yes to him in the way of the cross. It's gone, satisfied. And so this is what I want you to know, no matter where you find yourself today, what your race has been looking like. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus and you've gotten tired. It's like that last three hours Jesus had, the worst part. And man, what you need to see today and maybe feel is the refreshing news of the gospel that because Jesus finished well, I can take my cross and finish well. Maybe today you started out at one time. It was a good journey. You, you began the tracks and man, the world and just life got in and it took you off track. And you're like, man, I, at one time I, I had it going, but man, I've lost it. I wanna tell you, if you're still breathing, God's not done. 
And if he got started, listen, he can finish what he started. And listen to me, okay? It may have started okay and you got drifted off, but because Jesus finished well, you can finish well. And then, man, I, I want to bring this in because you talk about the mess of life before I, I met Christ and in and, and my life, man, it was so much self-righteousness, so much like religious, I'm good. You know, nobody needs to know my bad. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, and it's the worst kind of hypocrisy. But maybe today, your life as a whole has started out and it's just been a mess. It's just been a rough start. You know, and I'm, by I say start, that don't mean you're 15. You may be 45, 50, 60. It may be a rough start. But by God, when we see it, by God, when we see it on the cross, okay, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that maybe it started out rough, but by God's grace, you can finish well too. You can finish well too. And so as we get ready to close, I want you to meditate that on pray because what I'm concerned with is not what you walked in here with. I'm concerned about where you are and how you finish. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you did, God. We thank you for humbling yourself to remain silent. God, to go to the cross for us. And God, as we think about our sin and we think about your love, God, that you loved us so much that you would stay on the cross to bear the, the, the penalty for sin. And I just have to believe there's some in here today that maybe you'd say, Buck, I've never followed the way of the cross. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. But today I sense the Lord saying that I don't have to finish the way I started. And if that's you today, I'm just gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, it says we will be saved. So if that's you, you can say it right there at your seat. We're gonna pray. Say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit my need of a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose on the third day. And God, starting the day, I want to make you Lord of my life. With everyone continuing to pray, if you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand so we can just celebrate what you did in this moment? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Lord, for all of us, God, thank you that we get to celebrate today. We get to eat lunch. We get to do all the things. And God, we have that freedom because of the cross. God, as we get ready to worship you in song, I pray we would meditate on your great love for us. God, I pray that we would, we would just get a fresh a, a fresh experience, God, of just seeing you and your love, your grace, your, your mercy. And God, I thank you for what you did in this house today and what you're gonna continue to do. And those of us that need to pray, God, and just come and get right. And, and Lord, maybe just worship at the, uh, at, the, uh, at the front of the church. God, I pray that you would move us to do that. And for us that need to take next steps, God, that we need to sign up to get connected to church, God. We need to get a part of a group. We need to be baptized, whatever that may be. I pray you give us the courage to obey you just like Jesus did. Lord, we love you. We praise you. For Jesus, you're worthy. In your precious name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. 
We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.